Good afternoon, good evening, good metal. My name's Coop and welcome to the Spoken Metal Show. This episode forms part of the collection of episodes that I'm under the one banner of the 100th episode celebrations. How I got to 100, I've no idea. Well, actually, I do have an idea. It's because of people like you listening now and sharing and, and suggesting it to friends and feeding back and, and growing. People enjoy the show, enjoy listening to me amazingly, enjoy listening to the guests less amazingly because some of the guests we've had have been, have been absolutely fantastic. People I never thought I'd get the, the the chance to speak to, people like Mark Dodson, um, you know Simon Hall, people like that who are really, really influential in the metal community and musicians who have inspired me to to do this podcast and musicians who continue to inspire me to do this to do this show. And you, the listener as well, I get some great feedback about what you like, what you don't like. So to get to 100, it, it, you can only do that when people really enjoy it. You can't go 100 episodes, people not want to come on your show or no one listening to it. It just doesn't work like that. So incredibly grateful um, to those people that listen and enjoy. And so I thought it'd be nice to do a whole, like a package of a group of shows all under the umbrella of the 100th show. And I hope you'd enjoy that during this lockdown period that we're going through at the moment. If we are, you might be listening to this way after this is all a memory. You might be listening to this in the future, like 20 years into the future, going, hold on, what's this lockdown he was talking about? But those people that are actually in the middle of it now, this might be a welcome relief. I hope it is. I hope it takes some of your your mind off of off, off the things that are going on in, in the world and, and gives you a moment to kind of you know so you can enjoy laugh along to maybe even be inspired to as well because that's always been the 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 end game for for, for for this podcast so i thought i'd do a collection of episodes and put them all kind of release them one day after the other if you will in a, in a big group rather than doing i normally do every two to three weeks every month i do one and we balanced that. I used to do like one a week, and people thought that was too many because to, like these podcasts normally go an hour, two hours long, or whatever. So it kind of worked out the the sweet spots. But as purposes of the hundredth episode, I'm going to do a big glut of them in one in one big go, which I hope you enjoy. Um, and this forms one of them. This is my sit down with James McBain, Hell Ripper from the band Hell Ripper. He is the band Hell Ripper, a, a single person, a one man project, a black metal project. And it's a conversation with him, which is I I, would, I thought was fantastic. We we talked about you know, overcoming some of the obstacles of not having enough musicians to play, or not being able to play with other musicians, and that type of thing, and the difficulty of self-producing uh, your own material. And it's just, it was fascinating, really, really positive outlook and approach to making music and a, an approach to metal. And it was just fascinating to hear the the elements that went into to making Hell Ripper. I hope you enjoy. This is uh, my sit down with James McBain, Hell Ripper. So I'm with um, I'm with the Hell Ripper himself, if you will, if he allows me to to, to call him that. Uh, it's it's James McBain, Hell Ripper. Um, thanks for coming on the show, mate. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me on. You can call me whatever you want. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I'll stick with James. The Hell Ripper seems a bit too informal, but yeah. it's um. I discovered uh, Hellripper through uh, one of the many sorts of streaming services and kind of rabbit holes you go down. And from there, just really kind of gravitated to his stuff. I was saying just before we came on the show, uh, how impressed I was by the catalogue you've got already. And we'll go through points of that. And then obviously to the new album, these things normally start with me talking about when you first started hearing music, not necessarily metal, but music itself. What, what, when was that for you? Um, uh, when I first started hearing music, I guess it was when I was uh, maybe like five, six. Um, I can't remember what got me into music. I think it may have been the Beatles. I think we had to do something at school where we had to like sing the Beatles or something at an assembly sure. or something like that. And from there, I kind of, I got into the Beatles. My dad was a fan of the Beatles, so I was asking him questions mm-hmm. um, about that. I got into kind of what was in at the time, like uh, even like pop music, even like rap music and stuff. Uh, so that was about 2000, 2001 or so. That was when like all the pop punk kind of thing, like you had like some 41 and all that. And there was all the new metal and all that. And I would watch the, the uh, like, you know, Koran and all the music channels on TV when I was small. So I got into music kind of that way. Um, and I kind of gradually got into heavier music. And my uncle had a vinyl collection. Um, a lot of stuff from like the, the 70s and 80s, like obscure punk stuff and uh, like Motorhead, Dio, um, Black Sabbath. Uh, there was Discharge, uh, Judas Priest, a lot of metal and yeah, some more mm. obscure punk stuff. And 
that kind of like I think sparked my interest in like the heavier kind of stuff. I didn't get into it straight away, but I it kind of like got my interest, if you know what I mean. And mm. that kind of like led me to explore it later on. And yeah, from there, Did, uh, yeah. There's there's quite a lot to unpack there because I, I, if I remember rightly, like when when the when the Beatles first brought out like Sergeant Pepper's. They used to like t schools would would play the album in its entirety and in, in class okay. like you know they, they were, it was seen as so groundbreaking and, and everybody realised it was fantastic and and it, and it was great and 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 it's interesting that you talk about what often gets brought up on the show is that people discover their parents' vinyl collection and yeah. plough through that and, and pull the stuff that they really like from it and we've probably lost that. We're probably not going to see that again. Yeah. I mean, vinyl is, is coming back, but a lot of people aren't going to go, I was going through my dad's streaming links yeah. or my, my playlist. I mean, we've maybe lost that, that sort of wandering through and going, this album looks interesting. I'll, I'll listen to that. And, you know, yeah, and then, so. you know, you, so you've got an interesting sort of, why first kind of got into the Beatles because uh, Cliff Burton kind of re redressed me kind of back okay, to the Beatles. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, if Cliff Burton's listening to the Beatles, I should really probably... <laughs> There must be something in there, and yeah, it's probably definitely. something to give you the foundations of maybe experimental sort of elements of what you do, certainly, and, and compositional style of what you did. And then to go into the 70s, which is, you know, you think about, like, sort of 71 and, and times, like, that must have been a fabulous time for, for metal, like Sabbath and, and, and Judas Priest and bands like that, really yeah. kind of cutting the teeth and getting to kind of where they need to be. Was there a particular artist that you started to gravitate to quite a lot to where you would listen to clutches of albums and groups of albums by that person? Um, I mean, up until, like, I was, like, I, I never really got into, like, favourite artists, you know what I mean? Like, until yeah. I got into metal, which was around, like, 14, 15 or so, like, mm. it's when I properly got into metal. I mean, my all-time favorite band is uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and that was the first. Sure. That was the first like artist that I, yeah, checked out all their albums and stuff. That was, pro that was like in between getting into music and like getting into metal. So I, I don't know how old I was, like say around mm. nine or ten or something. But when I got into metal, yeah, it was Metallica and Megadeth, like kind of standard stuff. I got all of their uh, albums, listened to everything that they'd done. Um, but yeah, so that was like my f my favorite artists. Like, it's interesting as, as well. They bring up the the, the pe Peppers because they were a wonderful um, crossover band because they were they they wrote a pop song. You know, you could yeah, hear yeah. them on on the radio and you, they would do a pop songy type of thing. Then they had this whole funk thing going on, yeah, yeah. and they, they brought this whole kind of rhythmic section. But then there was an obvious heaviness to what they were doing. You know, it was it was obviously kind of like. There was everything in there. It was a wonderful melting pot, you know, from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I kind of ventured off and, like, that was like Fishbone and things like that. Yeah, I kind yeah. of jumped off to, to, you know, these kind of uh, weird, strange acts that kind of brought in. And it, and then when you kind of – they were all kind of lumped in at the same time. Like, it would not be unusual to see festivals to have the Peppers on and Metallica and yeah, Big Against Machine. And yeah. it was, there, was, there was kind of, like, a, a wonderful time around that time of, like, you know, sort of blood – sugar sex magic and that type yeah. of thing where it was almost anything goes it was like as long as it's good it kind of you know went out there and yeah. so it seems like you had a pretty voracious appetite for just getting new music listening to everything that was out there is that fair to say yeah yeah and that's still the case i mean i listen to hmm. yeah i mean usually it's guitar based music like kind of rock right metal i'm not too into electronic i mean there's some electronic stuff i like i guess but yeah a good song is a good song, no matter what. But in my opinion, yeah. did you stop? Did you start picking up an instrument at, at some point? Then was it the guitar the first one? Yeah, guitar. I picked up. Um, I can't remember how old I would have been, but yeah, around probably around the time I was like getting into. Uh, pro yeah, probably around the age of like ten, eleven. That I kind of like picked up guitar because yeah, like I say, around that time as well, that was like the big boom in Britain as well of like all your indie bands like uh, Arctic Monkeys, Libertines, uh, mm. all, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it was kind of, 
it was like, I guess it was cool to kind of pick up guitar. At yeah, that. It, 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 it cool, like guitar came back almost. There was yeah. a period during, where, where there was like a lot of techno, technology music, like and digital music and DJs yeah. and stuff, and that was massive. Yeah. And then there was this, the Libertines, I remember, were very keen on bringing back like the idea of a band yeah. and a guitar and, and, a, and a troubadour kind of like, here's my song, here, here's, and riffs, and then the Arctic Monkeys would... Were kind of brought that whole back about real guitar and, and things like that. And there was a there was a natural push, and I think that happens generally throughout time. That you know the, the guitar's been wrote off a billion times, like metal yeah. has as well, and it seems to come back into in, into a, in vogue. So, is at that point did you did you have, was the guitars lying around, or did you did you go and buy some instruments? Or what uh, yeah, I um, like like I said, uh, my uncle who was uh, into like all the that had all the vinyl and stuff he was a guitarist he passed away before i was born but like my mom would always like talk about how he, he liked guitar and stuff and uh i got in i just I, again maybe like subconsciously that got into my mind um yeah. and yeah i ended up just asking for a guitar like to because I, I was interested in learning and i got an ibanez rg uh, for one of my oh. For one of sure. my days, the uh, workhorses of, of, yeah. of rock and metal, like yeah. yeah. First guitar I got uh, for one of my birthdays. I cannot remember what age it was, but yeah, mm. like it. It was like a lot easier to kind of learn. I mean, you, that was just when YouTube and stuff was coming out. Guitar tabs were like available online. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, I can't imagine like people like before then having to learn everything like <laughs> yeah stuff like yeah. that. Whereas I just used to go on. Uh, type in like guitar tutorial for whatever song like whatever song and you would and there's someone playing it and you can yeah. get it yeah yeah it's, it's guitar like lessons like ladies and gentlemen there was a time before the, <laughs> the, the internet believe it or not before like you know any you had to like when when people first sing guitar they would slow down records and listen to records yeah. and and record stuff off the radio and then you would have to find a guitar tablature book and guitar tab magazines and if you couldn't find it you couldn't learn the song and it was a there's a lot of barriers into learning and now you could you can put you can click your favorite song and then someone will have done a playthrough for it they'll have broken down the yeah, effects exactly. for it you'd be able to see where the fingers are and and that <laughs> and it is a great thing that is a great thing uh, in some ways, though, it's probably uh, it's probably a hindrance because it stops you working on your ear a little bit oh, and, yeah, and your ear training. Off. I found that certainly with some of the, the younger players is their ability is very good, but the, maybe the ear training is, is where they need the, 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 the work. So when you were starting to play the guitar, did that kind of maybe point you in directions of bands as well because you would look for guitar-based music more than and, and, and stuff that you could play as well as kind of hear, if you know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. Um... I think one of the, I think one of the things I get asked a lot as well is like, oh, what's an easy song to, to learn as a beginner and stuff? Because of course, like, right. you, uh, you want to play like, you want to learn how to play Freebird because it sounds cool. Like, but yeah, I mean, you've been playing for two weeks, you can't play Freebird, of course. <laughs> yeah. Got, so yeah, you've got to kind of go online, explore, see what, see what you can do. Like, what's an easy enough song? Mm. Uh, and for me as well, like. Um, I get really bored and stuff easily, so I don't, I don't, I didn't like learning songs that I didn't enjoy. Yeah. Uh, so I'd done like a couple of guitar lessons at school, but I was being made to play stuff that I, I had no interest in, and mm. I felt like it was, it was like take, uh, it, it just wasn't motivating me. I didn't want to play guitar like if I had to yeah. play that. So yeah, you, it led me to like exploring stuff. Uh, like what, what was easy enough for like beginners to play what's got a cool riff or whatever and then of course you're led to like the some old classic rock and stuff like that uh, like when you learn power chords and stuff you get the ramones uh, i mean acdc just regular kind of chord stuff and kind of like from there like you can go on and uh yeah when i i really improved my playing was when i got into metal because i was like really into punk and classic rock hard rock and, and all that kind of stuff so i was learning all that and i thought i was relatively good good enough and then i yeah i started to try and learn metallica and megadeth with like no experience of sure yeah like playing fast like trend picking or fast down picking or yeah fast power chord shifting or guitar solo like that and stuff so yeah 
when I got into metal. Isn't it, isn't it strange that, 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 that metal is, in certain sense, in some quarters, still seen as a, as a caveman form of music, is still seen as a kind of, you know, beaten uh, your chest type of thing, when in reality, there's a vast amount of technicality to a large portion of, of metal. Yeah. And, you know, so, something like, you know, think of like Fade to Black by Metallica with all its different elements think of something like hangar 18 by megadeth with yeah. this massive different sorts of intervallic places things are going on and you know, it's incredibly technical you know and, and i think oh, yeah. that one yeah. of the one of the things that i kind of started in, in a metal and a punk thing as well so yeah, yeah. acdc was huge for me because it was see it seemed on the surface very simple it's three yeah. chords and it's but then you got into the, the minutiae of how difficult the rhythms were and how complicated it was and how they all fitted together and then for me, what I couldn't play with big chords, I end up sped up the process, and that's what led me to punk. Yeah. So, you know, I was more kind of um, the DC American-style punk, like Black Flag and things like that. Uh, and that. And that was just kind of sped up versions of that. And and it was it took a while to kind of realise that I had to get better as a guitar player to kind of learn some of these artists that I was listening to and uh, you know but punk and, and and classic rock were my bedrock as well uh, yeah. certainly in the formative years. So when you were when you were playing and, and kind of learning, was there particular players that you gravitated to as well? Was it Hetfield and Mustaine, or was it was yeah. it, or were there other players there? Yeah, so Hetfield and Mustaine, but also stuff like Jimi Hendrix, Stevie Ray Vaughan, uh, John Fischer. Um, big fan of Jeff Waters from Annihilator. His stuff is just uh, huge fan of Jeff. Jeff Waters possibly, you know, doesn't get anywhere near the record Annihilator. Don't get near the recognition that they that they deserve. You know, just ridiculous stuff. Yeah, that. Um, who else? Um, I mean, yeah, of course, Angus Young. Uh, all the, all the. I mean, there's all the classics. Those are the kind of guys that I've enjoyed. Like they got me into it, so I guess they're kind of still my favourite. Like the, like your your well known guys and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, then you discover, like I discovered like death metal and stuff like that. So there was all that stuff like Cannibal Corpse and yeah, you've got uh, Opeth, Bloodbath, uh, whatever, Dismember and all that kind of stuff. So sure. You, so like I kind of try and take bits from everywhere but i mean i guess yeah the main influences and stuff is still your hetfield dave mustaine jeff waters uh, yeah yeah that kind of stuff and so when you when we, we we talk a lot on the show about kind of how people transition from uh what would be arguably like a classic metal and now classic metal if you will and then they're transitioning to death metal and thrash metal and stuff like that yeah. and 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 you know a lot of people mention like cannibal corpse comes up a little bit of comes up a lot more but angel yeah. Um, you know the, the, these these bands come up as well. What was what was the kind of the, the the sort of life for that then? What was the why why gravitate to them? Was it because it was faster, more aggressive, or was it what where where were you the, the touchstones for death metal for you? Yeah, I think yeah, being a like being a teenager at the time, you want the most the fastest, the most aggressive, the most ridiculous kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, like I like I mentioned before, with easy access to YouTube. Um, it was just a matter of like going on related videos and oh that yeah. that song title or that album art looks cool uh, I wonder what that is and it turns out it's Cannibal Corpse and then you get into yeah so yeah so like I said I was in I was into like Metallica and Megadeth and stuff at first and then you, you just kind of go from there I just went from like the related videos and mm. again, again I was like that was at a time where you had the kind of new wave of thrash happening and the like the new wave of traditional heavy metal kind of thing was happening so if you went on like a metal video it was easy to find on the related videos like new bands like enforcer steelwing eva yeah. havoc warbringer that kind of stuff so it, it was literally just i just wanted to find new music and then you would it, it is nice. It is nice now that, that you know, uh, someone can see, let's give an example. Someone could see Metallica with Lady Gaga on the Grammys. Yeah. Go to a video of that song and maybe only be two videos away from Toxic Holocaust, you know. And, and it's nice, yeah. that, it's nice that, that, that that can happen, you know, because yeah. obviously streaming services get the, there's a lot of detractors from it. And, and I get that. I understand that, you know, the, the, 
you should be buying music directly from bands and so I get all that and and there's an argument could be made that it's algorithmic that you know there's, you're only getting what you're meant to see but I firmly believe that you know we were only from even listening to your own stuff you know I, I was only maybe a few clicks away from uh, the split you did with Babatos yeah. and that's like you know that's like you know extreme stuff yeah. extreme content extreme I imagery you know uh, as well even though it's like censored to, to a yeah. certain degree so that's, you know, it proves that it is out there and only very cautionary look, you can find these great bands and these kind of bands that were, you know, essentially on, on, on the outsides are, are, are very close to, to, to being discovered. And that's pretty, that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool thing to, to, to exist then. So when did you go from listening to bands to actually going to see the bands that you, you were listening to? Um, so, yeah, since I was uh, up in Aberdeen um, and I was like young at the time, I think the the majority of the venues were uh, like an 18 uh, because a, a lot of them were pubs or I wasn't aware right. of them. I wasn't aware of like what was going on. So I I didn't really go to much shows until my first show was in 2010, I think it was. And that was uh, when I first got into Airborne and they, they came to Glasgow. Sure. I, right. Yeah, it was like I discovered them, and I really liked them. I thought, oh, they sound a bit like ACDC. They're cool. And I went on to, like, find one a couple of their songs to listen to, and I saw they were coming to Glasgow in, in like, a month's time or something, and I thought mm. uh, I got one of my friends to come with me. So that was my first live show. And then, yeah, it was yeah, it was always kind of difficult to get to, like, shows because in Aberdeen, the there are – like kind of like mid-sized bands that come but like very not regularly so you're kind of left yeah. with either like Iron Maiden coming and, and bigger bands like that or like the mm. local stuff so mm. I never managed to get that although there was a time like over a, a year or two period um, where I saw like Havoc, uh, Black Dahlia Murder, uh, Flesh God Apocalypse, Skele Skeleton Witch and stuff they all came to Aberdeen Mm. Uh, and yeah, and when I when I could go to Glasgow because Glasgow was a uh, three hours away, um, I would go and see like uh, Toxic Holocaust or Cannibal Corpse or yes stuff like that. But of course, not if I was if I had like school or if I was working yeah. later, later on. Uh, yeah. So yeah. This is something that comes up with uh, some of our American friends as well, uh, where it's kind of a, an interesting example of what you're talking about. So Aberdeen, in relation to Glasgow, ladies and gentlemen, uh, is, you know, it's like three hours, you know, and then you've got to think like there's the gig finishes at whatever time, 11 o'clock, and yeah. you've got to get back, you know, public transport stops in, in Britain around sort of 11, 11.30 yeah. around this time. So you, you you sometimes can't go because you're like, well, the back end of this, I can't I can't stay in anybody's house. So it, it, what happens is the, the geography of, of of a place sometimes defines the music that goes to see it. You know, you don't you're not on tour runs then, and you know, um, and what happens to, to unfortunately and certainly in Scotland, I've seen this, is you get this little sort of canyon in the middle. So you get these lo a local band with local scene. And, and great stuff playing to 20 or 30 people. And then there's a massive leap up to an arena, if you will, band order, you know, a big academy show uh, venue. And there's this unfortunate gap in the middle that if you're not sort of in the sort of middle of the country or at least near a capital, it's really difficult. And the same happens in the States as well. Some of these forgotten places don't get the, these bands in it. And it's, it's a real shame because what happens is a local band will get to play with a slightly larger band and that will enable them yeah. to... To kind of you, that, that must have been. I mean, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but that must have been interesting for when you went out for the shows that you did with like Midnight and you went out and saw around the country. You must have seen a, a wild dichotomy of people coming to the shows. Then you must have been playing all kinds of capital shows as well as kind of shows out there as well, you know? Yeah, especially like in, uh, yeah, like that show with Midnight in London. I mean, you've got there's people from like all over the world coming <laughs> just because, like, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, because, yeah, it's London, it's, I mean, it's easier to get to, it's in the middle of the place, it's, it's like a tourist mm. city and stuff, I mean, it's, yeah, like, the travel is, like, accessible, and even, yeah, and it's, yeah, so, yeah, I was, I would see people like that, whereas, yeah, it was just, yeah, it's just difficult for me to get to those places uh, beforehand, yeah. because, 
yeah, just like you mentioned, um, the the nowhere to stay and then the public transport stopping and the prices. Like if you want to go to a gig, you've got to pay what yeah. forty pounds or something for a train every uh, everywhere, and then get a if you want to stay over. If you don't have anywhere to stay, you've got to book the hotel, hostel, whatever. Mm. So yeah, it was costly, time consuming. Uh, like there's so many barriers to to an unsigned band kind of yeah. getting getting any bigger and so many barriers to a fan wanting to see new music and and, and that's the i think that's when we saw the sort of um you know the explosion of youtube and people watching a show via youtube yeah. you know it's often it's often berated that you know well you should go and see a band live well if that band's never going to come even close to you then you have to make do with a, a youtube video or you have to make do with a live stream or something you know yeah. so did you have inclinations then to play music with other people at that at some point yeah so when i was yeah like when we were in school about 15 14 15 i can't remember just when i was like starting getting into metal uh, a couple of my friends also liked metal and we kind of and we formed a, a band i mean well we played songs together kind of cover songs uh uh kind of stuff but as everyone knows it's very difficult to find a drummer so sure so that we kind of done that for a couple of years like kind of getting nowhere like we'd get drummers and then we we, we it wouldn't fit and then it, it's difficult to find another drummer so we kind of done that for a couple of years then kind of gave up and then yeah we just kind of yeah we just kind of gave up for a couple of years and then i i kept writing songs like on my own and eventually decided to try and go the DIY route like because if if I waited any longer like for the perfect band to come along for the perf like to find the perfect members or whatever or any members then we wouldn't I we wouldn't be get, I wouldn't be getting anywhere like I'd just be waiting and waiting and, and stuff like that yeah. so yeah I decided just you've got to do I, I think I think that's one of the reasons I, I was so keen to talk to you is because I thought that it was a very much an example of, of uh, the mother of invention. You know, the, the, you, you needed to play this music and you needed yeah. to get this music out there and, 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 and express yourself and, and do the things that you wanted to enjoy playing. And there was too many barriers. You know, you couldn't get a drummer. You know, you didn't yeah. meet someone up at a recording space was difficult. Meeting someone up at a rehearsal space was harder. So remove all those barriers. And I thought that that was, you know, that was fascinating to me that, that, yeah. that you did that. Um, you know, and because a lot of people would like, it's not unheard of that bands haven't been a single person producing all the music. And ladies and gentlemen, just for those who are unaware, uh, James is is Hellripper is that is the whole thing. You know, essentially yeah. with a couple of people, you know, doing some various bits and pieces. But essentially, it's yourself, and you know, it's not um, it's not unheard of within within certainly within metal and certainly within black metal. Um, and certainly when Scot Scottish black metal as well, uh, there's, you know, uh, what is it, ne Necrolast, uh, I'm thinking uh, Demonic uh, Creator. I, I think one of those oh, yeah, is, yeah. is a single is a single person thing as well. Yeah. And, and so was it a noticeable moment when you went, you know what, I'm going to try and do this all myself? Did you kind of make that moment, that, that sort of line in the sand? Where you're going, okay, I'm going to try and create um, this myself. I mean, it wasn't like a massive decision for me, really. It was just kind of... I wanted to, I, I, I had a few songs written. I was enjoying myself playing this kind of music. And I, I yeah, I, I had like no hopes of finding a band. So I just thought I had an interest in learning how to record and mix things myself as well. So I thought I could kind of mix the two. I can improve my skills in that front while, else, while also writing and releasing a, a couple of my songs. Mm. Yeah, there, like really, there was like, yeah, it wasn't. It seems it seems very organic. It seems like it was very, you know, listen, I'll I'll see what this is, and I'm going to move to this, and then yeah, yeah. it seemed to kind of. It, it, there wasn't like this kind of big plan of I'm going to be a single person producing this. It was. It seemed like it moved through a very natural progression. Yeah, yeah, not at all. It was just literally, like I said, I thought I'll record some songs, uh, maybe improve my mixing, and I'll put them online and see. And my genuine thought was that like. 10, 20 people from my local scene in Aberdeen would like them, and that would kind of be it. I would kind of just, yeah, just do it, just do it as a hobby, like, 
and see see which way it goes. Yeah. It's, what, were, what were the first sort of barriers that you found, like both technologically and, and playing-wise and, and kind of essentially self-producing as well? What were the first sort of challenges that you found? Well, learning how to make, to record and mix is hard. <laughs> so that was, sure. I, I, I think the first Hellripper uh, EP or most of it or uh, some form of it, I recorded quite a bit of it. Uh, two or three years before Hellripper, like before the actual release, right. but I I wasn't happy at all with how it sounded. I thought it was I th I just thought it sounded shit. So I kind of scrapped that, um, and then continued to kind of learn over the next year or two, just kind of improve my skills, and then that's what came of it, like the the first EP. So that was the first thing, like actually learning how to mix, record, and mix from scratch. Uh, with like no equipment really i mean just a microphone in my bedroom so uh that um of course learning how to do everything yourself i mean you've got to learn how to use social media you've got to learn how to what the best way of promoting yourself is you've got to kind of i mean see what blogs what uh websites and or whatever's covers your kind of music and will cover a small bedroom project at the time like so yeah i think there's plenty of barriers uh i think but yeah it was like i say it was just it was a hobby so it was it was something i liked to do so it didn't really matter that it was taking me ages to do it so I'm, yeah i was just kind of going slowly like just enjoying myself thinking i've wrote a cool song well I'll I'll record it in my own time and when I'm happy. Was, was that was those first recordings? Was that a, a manifestation of evil? Was that are we are we at that is yeah. at that point? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So, we did you once you'd done that and it was out in the world. What sort of feedback were you getting then? Was it a bunch just your immediate group of friends, or did you find it was kind of getting out a bit further than you thought initially? Yeah, it got further than I thought. Um, I think the first thing that happened it was uh, I released the song Total Mayhem. Hmm. Uh, I think I put that up on YouTube when I recorded that because I think that was the first song I, I I finished recording and I think I put that out a week or two before it was before the EP was released I put that on YouTube and yeah I guess probably because of the algorithm or like the related videos or something I was getting like people from South America saying like commenting on the video and I was like oh well, this is cool <laughs> I mean sure it's reaching people from like everywhere and yeah i sent it out to a couple of places for uh, uh, to review the ep and stuff and i heard back from one uh, in, in america that liked it and offered to put it out on tape and i thought well this is cool so it kind of just like yeah very naturally yeah. yeah like natural small steps like going yeah just like kind of a slow a natural slow progress and yeah, I got uh, acquainted with like other bands uh, that were like like-minded to do splits with, or mm. uh, yeah, like that. So. I love um, I, I love the idea of, of splits and stuff. That's kind of that's a very punk rock thing that, yeah. that, that happens. Like you know, because ladies and gentlemen, for those who aren't aware, a split is a, 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 is a split of, a, of an album, or well, in this case, a single or an EP, where someone plays the A side, someone plays the B side, so double A side, or whatever. But there's a, a clutch of each person's music put together. Sometimes these are quite different styles. You know, you would get punk bands with a hardcore band and uh, a black metal band with a thrash metal band, and they would mix. And I think that's, a, I think that's superb when that happens. And it, you know, splits are kind of one of those ways of cross-pollination that happens with, within music that I think is, is absolutely fascinating. And like you say, you get to meet people of, of similar interest and they'll go, okay, well, you know, there's an exchange of you should try this website and look for this person here and this, and, and, and that kind of blossoms from that. And that's one of the things that's quite unique to metal to a certain degree, that, that, that we're very open to helping each other, helping yeah. each other create a scene, helping each other you know, signs of a label, help with a PR agent or whatever it may be. And there's a wonderful generosity that maybe doesn't get, uh, doesn't get enough, en enough props. So you were doing and kind of discovering other work. Did you kind of form an idea of what your sound wanted to be yet? Manifesting evil as well is, is seems very clear and very direct about what you wanted yeah. to do. 
did you kind of start with a thought of like I want it to be like this and I want it to be like that and have a a, a form to it, or were you still open from a musical point of view as well? Uh, kind of both. It was kind of like I want to I want to sound like metal punk, you know, like what the mm -hmm. is like. I was in, influenced by like Toxic Holocaust, uh, Venom, Bathory, uh, like all that kind of stuff, and some punk like the D beat stuff, like Discharge, Anti Semex, and stuff like that. Um, but at the same time, I'm not. Um, I'm fine including other stuff into it. I don't. I don't want to be mm. like this is this is what I want to do, and I can't deviate from that. But at mm. the time as well, I was like I said, I was still learning how to mix, mix, record, and mix. I was still, I was still kind of practicing, getting better at my instruments and stuff like that. So. I was kind of like technically limited as well. So I kind of wanted a straightforward kind of thing to, that would work, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Did you find it difficult to, to balance? Because this is one of the things that get level, leveled at musicians quite a lot. Certainly people who have their own projects. Is Did you find it difficult to um, do all the social media side of things and the, and, and the kind of that sort of side of it? And the, the playing your instrument side of things and get a balance between that that you weren't stuck on YouTube for two hours and you weren't stuck on forums for ages yeah. rather than actually playing music and separating yourself and going, okay, I'm going to try and create something now. Is, is that a difficult balance? Uh, it's it's not too bad, actually, because I like I enjoy the creative process. So I'm, I'm always playing guitar, like, or always uh, on my Tux Guitar, Guitar Pro kind of software, coming up with new ideas. Uh, and I'm always like listening to music, even while I'm on social media or whatever. Um, like when I, like half the way I discover like or hear new music and stuff is when I pack unpacking merch orders. I just stick on like either podcasts or uh, like a Spotify playlist, and I pack my orders for a few hours a day while listening to all this stuff. Mm. It, that gives me inspiration. That. Uh, sure. It, exposes me to new bands and all that but uh late like over the past uh, year or so it, the workload's been getting like higher with the social media and answering messages from people and packing orders and stuff and uh come back uh combining that with the writing of the music and playing guitar and stuff but i'm not really in a rush so <laughs> uh that's yeah. a that's a good thing about being a solo project. I've I've got no deadlines. I've got you, no... yeah. You're you're not beholden to anybody by yourself, yeah. which is a, a wonderful, nice creative space to to, to be in. I think uh, just jumping ahead slightly. I think it was like is it 2017 for Coagulating Darkness yeah. comes out. Yeah. And and listening to that, that seemed to be for me when a lot of the stars kind of came together. I think that's probably yeah. we'll get to the new album shortly, but that seemed to be when it seemed to. Every beat seemed to be getting hit for that. That seemed like a, for me, seemed to be a real milestone for you. Yeah. Um, and when it, when it came, it came, all came together. The idea was there and you could see the yeah. roads leading to it. But then, you know, you get like the, 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 the title track, it's like, like plus five minutes long and yeah. you really kind of stretched your legs and, and really kind of opened up. Did it feel like that? Did that feel like a bit of a, a watershed moment, that I album? Think, I think so. I think by that point, I was a bit more confident in my abilities and, uh, at everything and there there was kind of yeah there was more interest in the band and stuff um, and yeah yeah like I say I just I was just like more confident I guess in actually doing everything mm. and as opposed to uh, like before before that album like I said I was meant uh, influenced heavily by like Toxic Holocaust, Bathory, Venom and all that kind of stuff primarily by the time of Quagulating Darkness, I was listening to a lot of speed metal and thrash metal and uh, New Wave of British Heavy Metal and stuff. So there's a lot of that influence uh, with the harmonies and solos and stuff like that. So it's, yeah, it's a bit more ambitious, I think, than... It, yeah, it's, it definitely seems like more technically kind of, yeah. uh, you know, interesting and, and kind of like this sort of being a lot, a lot more sections and, and kind of yeah. you know, things and avenues that it went off to, I thought was, was, was really interesting. So did you kind of... I suppose 
one of the things that we find on the show is that people who, who don't listen to, to black metal, don't listen to, to thrash and, and things like that and, and, are, and following different sorts of genres of it, they find it difficult to bridge to get to those particular things. It often what's leveled against it is the, um, the aggressiveness of the vocal line. Yeah. And, and I, what I, one of the things that I, I really enjoyed with the stuff that you've been doing, certainly most definitely with the, with the newest album, is that you've somehow refined that aggressiveness with the, with the vocals. I think it, for me, the vocal, it seems to be the thing that's improved the most over, over the albums. Yeah, um, you know, was that was that it's something you put a lot of thought into? It seems like you, you have with that because they, they, they've got that wonderful mix of being aggressive and, and distorted, but at the same time have a clarity and, and a sharpness to them, which yeah. I think is fascinating for black metal. I do try and pronounce the words. I like to try and make it mm. uh, as clear as I can with what I'm like saying, so it just doesn't sound like a noise. But I, it wasn't like that I put like much thought into like improving the vocals. It was just that when I started, I had never done these vocals before. So like on the manifestation of evil, I'm just like shouting or uh, yeah. doing whatever, like <laughs> whatever I could. <laughs> Any kind of vocalization yeah. to get it out. Yeah. yeah I was yeah. just kind of like doing that. And yeah, it, w it would like hurt and stuff mm. and over the years. I th I've, somehow managed to kind of develop a technique that doesn't yeah. that that i think makes the vocals more aggressive it doesn't hurt when i do them anymore mm. uh, i think they sound better yeah yeah so it wasn't really a conscious thought but it was something that needed to happen otherwise i'd have no voice by now yeah it's something that you, you know venom's a good example of that where you know to get <coughs> to black metal to get to that Mm. Venom of go through. You can see the changes. You can see the strength in the, vo the voice and the strength and stuff. It's 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 a route. You know, it's it's a journey that that, that they clearly take to get before mm. we get to black metal. You see the roots that they got there. And one of the things that kind of is often maybe misplaced by people who don't understand the genre is that part of the sound is that discordancy of the vocals. Is that distorted? Yeah. Is that overwhelming? Sort of throb of the, the, the. It's part of it. It is. It's a whole encompassing soundscape. You yeah. know. You know, uh, it, 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 that's often the thing that gets maybe misunderstood. Certainly with death metal, you find it gets that a lot of people like, I don't understand what, what they're saying. It's yeah. too guttural. It's like, no, 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 you, you understand that that's part of the process. Yeah. That's part of what it what it should be. Did you, I think one of the things that uh, I, I would su suggest, ladies and gentlemen, is that when you're starting with, with Hellripper's music is I would, you, you can start at any place, but um, Coagulating Darkness is probably a good cross, crossover is probably the worst word to describe it, but it's a nice bridge into yeah. that whole style of, of music of like bands yeah. like Bathory and, and Mayhem and, and what, you know Hellhammer and things like that. So then, as you're kind of moving through and, and getting to where we 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 are now with with the newest album, did you get the chance to put play this live? Then when did those did that, did that ever up, up until midnight was 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 the time before we could play these things live? Yeah, uh, when was midnight? That was last year, twenty nineteen. Mm. So I think we. I got a few of my friends together uh, just before the release of Coagulating Darkness. Um, yeah. It was probably the summer of 2016. I got a few of my friends together and we played a few local shows and stuff. Uh, we played a show in Romania at Old Greyfest, uh, which was cool. Um, but we never played regularly. It was kind of... Uh, there's a list of all the dates that we've played so far on the Hellripper website, but... I'm, Maybe, I don't know, there's maybe like 10 dates that we played from 2016 to 2018. Mm. So it was, it was a, it was a regular that, did, thing. Did that present a, a, a unique challenge in so much as you go from doing largely most of the stuff yourself in-house and then you go to a live show, that, become, that must become very difficult because if you're a musician, yes, you have to look after your own end of things and yeah. your own playing and what have you. But now it's your vision without sounding trite it is your vision yeah. of what you want to, and, you, and then you surround yourself with four or five other musicians and um, was that difficult to, you know to, to kind of do or did that would that come naturally as well i mean i mean it's i do like doing stuff on my own because i can kind of control things like hmm. live there's loads of stuff that can go wrong whether it's sure mistakes from myself from other people the equipment exploding or whatever so it's yeah, um, it was kind of, it was. I mean, it was a unique challenge. I'd played in bands, uh, a band previously, like a live band with uh, 
two of the guys involved. So it wasn't like too. It wasn't too alien to you. It, it was, it was yeah. But yeah, the Hellripper stuff. It's a bit. It, it was more technically challenging than the because the other one, the the previous man I was in, was more punk kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's. I mean, it does present a challenge, but I mean, it's a it's a fun challenge, I guess. So it's yeah. It's like because what yeah. one of the things that gets gets leveled against people who are the only person you know, like I, you can go look at like someone like Zappa or you know uh, right the way through Devon Townsend. These people who were like. The, the leading figurehead of that particular music. One of the things that gets leveled is that they're not, um, you're getting their total vision. You're getting them to the nth degree. And some yeah. people see that as being a good thing. And some people see it as a bad thing for the record. I see it as being a good thing that often when an artist is completely left to do the thing that they want to do, the results for the most part are either fantastically awful or fantastically amazing. Yeah. And, and, and I'm happy to have that risk. I'm happy to have that where we go. Okay. Yeah. This next album is, 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 is a total vision of them. When we like, so the newest album now, uh, affair of the poisons, uh, this came out in October. And mm. um, before you went into and put this thing together, and it must've been like building a massive wall or built a massive collage of what you want to do. What, what, where did you start from as a reference point? Did you go, okay, uh, the things I've did before, I want to refine them. I want to bring something new in. What was the, what was the first moment of planning that album? Um, there's never really like a, a plan in place. It's kind of, I, I get some riffs and I start working on a couple of songs and then it kind of goes from there really. It's just, and sometimes the, like different things come in, like different influences come in just naturally uh, that make it sound different to before. Whereas like I'll go, oh, I could put in a, a harmony part here that I would never have thought of before just because I've been listening to more Iron Maiden or some shit like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, there's never really a plan. It's kind of just write some songs, make them as good as they can be and it, it's uh, there'll, be, there'll be people sitting listening now and they'll be pulling their hair off because it, it's like <laughs> James, James is so relaxed and he's like it just happens it's nice it's it kind of flows and because I think there's also that mistaken belief that people want to feel that the, the metal's created for frustration and created for yeah. like it, it, it does it's it can be a wonderfully joyous experience uh, you know you know black metal as well Yes, we're just thinking about interesting and difficult topics, but there can be something uplifting about these things. You can take a power from from, from that, and it's that's something I want to take a sidebar and just talk about for a moment. The the sort of the nature of the lyrics and the nature of things that you talk about, and um, you know, particularly with the new album, the affair of the poisons is is the title of the album, ladies and gentlemen, and that deals with sort of uh, you know we're talking about the times of King Louis in France. And people killing other people um, through poison, essentially, uh, and you know it's links to witchcraft and and things like that. And and that's a wonderful sort of jump off point for for metal. That that's a wonderful yeah. metal loves that metal yeah. loves poisoning and and medieval times and metal loves that wholeheartedly. You, there's a couple of songs on that album that it kind of really lend themselves to to vocally and and lyrically like vampire's grave and stuff yeah was that is that an important part do you is there is it a simple case of the lyrics first and then the riffs or or do you have the whole idea mapped out so i want to do a song about this how does uh, that start usually i mean yeah sometimes i get uh i get an idea like i like for the vampire's grave uh about the Glasgow Necropolis uh, vampire. That was like something I thought I can do a song about that. And I just kind of make a note of it, but I always come up with like the, this, the riffs first uh, yeah. and then kind of put the lyrics to it afterwards. But occasionally I'll write, I'll write a riff to the rhythm of like the song title or something like, a, okay, uh, something like that. So I know that that song is going to be, uh, say vampire's grave and then but when i'm writing like the the actual lyrics it's always the riffs first like the song first uh just because it's easier to fit lyrics to a song than try to fit lyrics uh a song to lyrics uh for me anyway mm. Yeah. Well, one one of the the amazing things for like our listeners from all over the world Scot Scotland and particularly Scottish history is this wonderful 
wonderful history uh, with with all these kind of beautiful stories and, and imagery and stuff, and it's a wonderful place to to pull inspiration from especially like sort of you know uh, when you move away from the, the major cities and go to the highlands and stuff like that and some yeah. of these are, are other places and it struck me that there's a it did, it didn't occur or strangely for quite some time is that there's a there is a, a connection between that kind of bleakness and kind of landscape with that with scandinavia and with kind of you know the, uh, it's unsurprising that, that, that there are black metal bands from, from scotland it's unsurprising that they, 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 they say, share similar paths and similar waves if you will uh, you know so there must have been like you know some fantastic imagery to draw upon from scottish history yeah. and you know you know people always like you know oh well that's metal all we're going to get now is 20 years of coronavirus and isolation songs <laughs> and, and in reality you know you're pulling something from the 17th century you know yeah. so I, I love that i love yeah. that you know and it's i think that's one of the other misunderstood things about metal is that you know there's an intelligence that, you know, you will have had to go away and read up on something like the yeah. Affair of the Poisons and at least be, you know, eloquent enough to talk about it. There's a, there's a weight of intellect there. There's an interest there. I think um, one of the... When did it come into play to get, um, to get Brad uh, Boatwright mixing it? Because I thought that was an interesting thing. Yeah. Was, he, was that uh, before you started recording it or after? It was... I think it was kind of during. I've always been a fan of his stuff. I've had a few different people master. Uh, so I mix everything. Ashes to Rise and uh, yeah. he did Death Threat. Didn't he, he work with Sleep as well? I, did, I think he did uh, some stuff with Sleep. Possibly. I, I know his yeah. work from like, uh, I believe he done Nails. I think he done the new, hmm. uh, he'd done the latest Midnight album and he'd done yeah. uh, Toxic Holocaust, uh, Chemistry of Consciousness a few years back. So yeah. all the stuff, like the, I've used a few people to make, uh, to master my stuff over the years. I had uh, Damien Herring from Horrendous. He mixed, uh, he mastered um, Coagulating Darkness. He's got, he done a great job there. Uh, yeah. For the Black Arts EP, I got Joel Grind from Toxic Holocaust to do that. And then, yeah, I got Brad uh, Boatwright for the newest album. So, yeah, it was just, I'm a fan of a lot of these guys' work and it's cool to see what they can like bring to the, to the table to add the that must be that must be interesting as well to take a piece uh, of work that you've created and then hand it over to someone to to yeah. mix and master it and stuff that must be like handing over your child to someone and yeah. saying please you know don't let them get don't let them get yes. their heads you know that's, that's why i like to mix it myself because the mixing is kind of like the main part uh, so i can kind of get what i want it to sound like so mm. i mix it like that and then i send it away for mastering so that they can add their final touches they can improve upon mm. it like their way uh and it's kind of like gives like a, fr a fresh pair of ears to it as well because by mm. that by that point i'm listening to the songs like a billion times yeah that, i suppose that's that's a that's a valid question that comes up as well is that when do you become kind of you know deaf to what's going on with your music you yeah. know, you've, you've listened to something you know 250 times or whatever yeah Sometimes it's nice to go, listen, I'm going to step back. This is where I've taken it to. I'm going to bring in someone else who I know has got a good ear and I know understands the material and what I'm going for. And let's, I, I imagine in those first sort of times when you get someone else giving you a mastered version back, yeah. you know, a large, certainly, you know, with the, the newest album, you must have been absolutely thrilled because it's, um, you know, it's, it's so well recorded, so well yeah. mastered. Um, it really cuts through. The mix is absolutely incredible. You know, you must have been really happy. Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah, definitely, it was, uh, I mean, with every album, there's, like, some stuff that I wish I could change and stuff, like, in, like, Naturally, yeah. in retrospect and all that, but, yeah, the the album kind of got, um, <clears throat> like, the when the final masters came back, like, kind of, uh, Brad basically done, like, exactly what, like, I asked for, I think, uh, I, can't, I can't remember exactly what I said, but I said, like, would it be possible, like, I'm going... Like within, obviously the like to go with the sound. I said, could you make it sound somewhere in between the latest Dark Throne and the Chemistry of Consciousness by Toxic Holocaust? So it was kind of sure because uh, the Chemistry of Consciousness is like kind of in your face, just big but loud, and the Dark yeah. Throne is a bit more like natural sounding if you know what i mean so I, I, yeah i i that's an interesting yeah i think both of those those are really good examples of someone who hasn't heard this album of it, it's definitely more in your face it's definitely more up front yeah. everything's real up front but there's a, there's a nice texture 
a nice organic yeah. texture. So I, I, those two references make make complete sense. Um, and that must be wonderful to go from someone you listen to uh, and I admire, like so, like a band like Toxic Holocaust, and then for them or uh, you know to, to that person to produce that stuff yeah. and kind of master that for you. That must be a, that's a wonderful thing. You know, yeah. That's almost a, a 360 of kind of uh, uh, creativity that you listen to something they enjoyed, then you produce what you've done, and they, they then that person yeah. masters that. That's a, what a wonderful situation to be yeah, in, you really know. Cool. Yeah, I feel really lucky that, like, since starting Hellripper, I've been able to, like, even, I mean, even without the uh, getting people to master it and stuff, I've been able to speak to people that I, mm. I love their work and that I've big, been big fans of and stuff for years. And st so, like, it's just cool to get to speak to these people. And sure. Like, it's it, it's nice as well that we could break the taboo of that, you know, the the bedroom artist, you know, that yeah. somehow that that is a, a, a lesser version than someone who uses a studio. Yeah. Uh, we know this is nonsense. You know, we, we know this is ridiculous. We know that, like, Trent Reznor does Pretty Hate Machine, you know, in essentially a home recording, you know, if you yeah. will, and that some of the greatest recordings of all time have been done on not inf inferior equipment. So, you know, I'm, I was listening back to Cowboys from Hell, and mm. that opening riff that, that, that Dimebag does, they could never, they could never get that properly correct in the studio all the time they tried this and it was okay. done on like a Tascam or a Fostex recording device or okay. whatever and so it, it, eventually they use that and the point okay. being is if it's if it's good it's good it will just come yeah. through and so it must have been it, 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 like you're I've already looked now and your album is now making it into people's top tens yeah. you know and that's that proves that with it with with some diligence some time and clearly some patience and an idea of what, what you want to do and made from the heart that you can produce something that is 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 equal, if not better, to something that's produced on a, a, a fantastical budget, and yeah. that must be really that must be really comforting and, and nice to to be able to for someone like me to tell you that you know I mean yeah, to tell yeah, you that, sure. that, that, that do you have achieved that you know most definitely yeah I mean my I mean I'm just happy that people like the music so when people include it like in a in a top top ten list or whatever yeah it's yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Like just yeah, for something that I've recorded at home in my in my room, like yeah, it's just yeah, it's really cool to see that. Like especially from recording the first EP, just thinking that a couple of people locally would like it to to yeah to getting like I I, I think um, all all the greatest things that have been produced certainly within metal have been produced by an artist largely trying to do what they wanted to do you know trying to create the best yeah. version of what they want to do when they were like listen let's cut all the external noise and influence out and let's do what we want to do that's largely that's what every artist when they go into a studio i would imagine is trying to yeah. do is trying to just do that that purest form of, of them of themselves so then we have to talk about it because it's 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 it, oh, sadly it, it, it's shaping a lot of things it certainly shaped the fact that you couldn't do the rest of the tour with midnight yeah. How has as lockdown been uh, and being unable to do things out externally? Has that been a a, a a useful thing for you? Then have you just basically just turned it in and, and poured yourself into re recording and writing? Yeah, I just um, yeah, being what I do anyway is it hasn't really affected my like my process really. Mm. Uh, I mean, I I work from home anyway, so. I'm at home all day. Uh, and the only thing it's really affected for me, like, uh, like in my regular day-to-day -day thing, would be like the, the like being unable to tour. So, mm. yeah, it would have been great to tour in support of the album. We had a few UK shows, and then we had the tour with Midnight in Europe, and that had to be cancelled, and all the festivals and all that kind of stuff. But I've been lucky enough that, it, other than that, it hasn't really change things from mm. like I feel really lucky for that and yeah it's just gave me more time to work on the the next album uh, which is about halfway done so I'm wow okay so I'm excited to get that uh, it, it seems like it seems like it was a case of like once you've done your piece of work and you, and you put it out there you move straight on to the next yeah, thing yeah. There's, there doesn't seem too much of be that's a that's fantastic you know that's a great work ethic because otherwise 
you know, if you hang around too much, there's a danger that you could listen to other people's opinion and yeah. listen to, you know, and, and kind of be led from the path of what you yeah. what you want to do. So, you know, are we? So we're like halfway through the next album at this stage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, wow. uh, the the other thing that affected that I I missed out there was that uh, I finished the album uh, this time last year. Uh, uh, the affair of the poisons. It was supposed to be released in May, April or May. Mm. But then we decided, Peaceville and I decided that we would uh, delay it till October because that was, coronavirus was just like kind of starting and we thought, yeah. and we didn't know what was going on. We thought, yeah, it was like such a big thing. We thought, well, maybe we'd, it might be best just to put out later in the year. Mm. Uh, it, the release date also was going to con- coincide with the midnight tour. So we thought that might help a bit as well, but yeah, yeah. It doesn't look like things have changed too much. <laughs> Unfortunately, but. not. No, yeah. I mean, listen, look, we'll, we'll put that to the side. This, yeah. this show has always always been about positivity. And one yeah. of the things that we, you, you may not realise, James, but I'm here to tell you that it's the case. There will people be listening to this who want to do their own solo project, that they will have the same challenges that you faced and the same yeah. difficulties that you faced. And we'll, we'll want to do that. And they'll go, well, I want to do uh, you know, a, a grindcore band project or I want to yeah. do... A, what would you say to someone who's kind of sitting there going, well, I'm in lockdown and, and I can't get out to, to work with other musicians. Where do I start? I want to do, I'll do my own project then. What are those first steps then you'd say yeah. someone to do? Basic. I mean, the over the overall uh, advice would be just do it because there's so much like you put it off until you can, oh, I need wait until I get this amp that's way better than what I have right now. Wait till I get this laptop or whatever. But yeah, basically, download uh, a recording uh, workstation, uh, Reaper, Pro Tools, whatever. You can find them online. There's plenty of tutorials on YouTube on how to learn, um, on like how to use them. Uh, get a microphone. It doesn't need to be an expensive microphone. Uh, I've the, My main microphone that I use is like a non-branded one that costs me like 20 pounds or something uh and it sounds really good well for me anyway so uh if you can't record your amp or whatever you can always uh download uh what do you call them like amp sims online and stuff uh and yeah if you don't have anyone else or you can't record drums there's plenty of drum machine software as well just take your time to learn these soft uh all these software uh just like do it like if you want to do it then go do that now like don't wait don't, i mean there's never a better time than now to start uh so yeah it does take patience like it does take time to learn how to use them all you're going to be you're not going to be happy with what you do at first like it won't sound good like your first attempt i mean probably won't sound good but then you keep trying and from there i mean you yeah just improve i mean for me, I think you can hear an improvement on Hellripper stuff over the years, and that's just came from me practicing and uh, trying different things, being patient. <laughs> uh, so yeah, not being not being not being afraid to fail. Like you know, yeah. I, I, I listen I listen to you know to, to manifestation of email. I think it's fantastic, but yeah. you probably listen to it and go, well, you know, there were some things, I, and that's yeah, what's yeah. amazing is that you know someone else's failure in inverted commerce if you will is someone else's fantastic thing yeah. you know it, i'm sure the ramones went back to listen to some of their stuff and were like oh it's all over the place but to me it's brilliant you yeah. know and so yeah not being afraid of failure i think it's a really really positive message and who'd have thought you know uh the the when we're sitting talk to the black metal and, uh, and thrash metal guys that we're talking about positivity and not being afraid to fail. And, and that's, yeah. that goes against what people are talking about. That's we should be drunk and, and, and fighting <laughs> apparently, you know, so, uh, but listen, we, we've got nearly an hour, probably over an hour here uh, with, with James. And most definitely, I think, ladies and gentlemen, I think you will agree that we're going to get him on, on the show again, because we, we want to hear what's next. We want to hear what the next things are from, from Hellripper. You know, certainly, uh, I would I would ask everybody to check the the album out. The uh, Affair of the Poisons is superb, superb stuff. And then start your digging and go down the rabbit hole because there's some some great stuff there. If only to to hear uh, Nun Fucking Armageddon six six six, which is brilliant, which is one of my favourite titles of a song of all time. Um, so 
but uh, th- thanks for coming on the show. Uh, really, really appreciate your time there, James. Thank uh, you. Thanks very much. Thank you very much for having me, man. James McBain there, Hell Ripper, the one-man black metal project. It's absolutely superb. I suggest checking everything out. I will put links naturally uh, to all the various media that, that he has out there. Um, and Affair of Poisons is the newest album. I can't talk highly enough about that. It's absolutely superb, and I strongly recommend you check it out. Whether you like black metal or blackened metal or whatever the, the, the sort of extremer side of metal is, it, it, this is a nice sort of bridge to... To that, I find I thought it was a fantastic album. It is a fantastic album, which led me to also. I think I did it in the intro. I said some of the, the the guests I've had have been amazing. All the guests have been amazing. I wouldn't have them on if I didn't think they'd be fabulous guests. And I hope you've enjoyed these shows, and I hope you've enjoyed this hundredth uh, celebration as well, which is just your know, hundred is, is something you know. I'll probably do another one, maybe one hundred and fifty, two hundred, or whatever. It hopefully goes up to. I hope you've enjoyed them as well. Certainly, uh, everybody tells me that the the fun and 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 the the, the the logistics of it, or not the logistics, the algorithmics of it, tell me that people are listening out there all across the world, which is incredibly encouraging. So, as we get to the uh, to to the end of this, and by this I mean the the the, the lockdown and and the, the the pandemic and stuff, we can look forward to music. We can look forward to these live shows. They will be coming. They will be coming once again. We'll see you